Hello and welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today. Really excited to have you join us once again on our podcast that we run every two weeks here at Cisco Meraki. And our goal here is to share the technology that we're using here and how we're making a difference in the organizations that we work with. Also to work with our partners and our customers to bring them into the story as well. So this is something that I say every time we start off one of these episodes. If you have an idea for an episode you'd like us to, to cover or you've got any feedback for us here on the podcast, do please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And you can find me on Twitter at Meraki Simon. All right, so our topic today is a pretty broad one we're going to take on, which is the internet. We're all making use of the internet, of course, everything we do all day, every day, both in our personal and professional lives, you know, and it is absolutely essential. If we, if we, fit, if we switch ourselves into business mode, what we're really doing is talking about the role that we use the internet for in connecting us to business critical processes, applications, and tasks. And, you know, there's incredibly important to maintain the performance uh, that we need to do our jobs well, to serve the businesses that we work for as efficiently as we can. So we want to talk about that in a little bit more detail and how we're addressing that uh, here at Cisco Meraki, what it takes to maximize performance. And to help us with that conversation today, I'm going to introduce back to the podcast, uh, Imran Idris. Imran, welcome back. Hello. Good to be back, Simon. It's good to see you. How are you doing today? Good. Um, I was about to... Um question myself, am I supposed to be saying good morning, good afternoon, because I'm actually East Coast, not my normal time zone this week. Yeah, that's right. So you're listening to two Brits, but we are actually <laughs> located, both of us in the US right now. Uh, so don't be fooled. But of course, this is a podcast, so people could be listening at any time in any place. Uh, who knows? Actually, I'm really curious to hear where you're listening to this episode. So uh, tell us what it is. Tell us where you are. Um, are you out uh, doing a morning run? Are you commuting to the office? I believe there's a few people doing that now. Uh, just, I've been fascinated to hear how you're listening to the podcast. So do please let me know. Send me a send me a tweet, a DM at Meraki Simon. All right, so let's get into the conversation with Imran. So Imran, the internet, okay, big big topic, and we <laughs> want to talk about the performance that we need to be able to maintain, even when we're using the internet as our backbone that connects us to everything nowadays. So before we get into what we're doing today to help us with that, let's take a look back. Let's rewind. How did we get here? Yeah, good question. So the internet, of course, and I think it's been colloquially referred to um, a few times over the years, um, over the past couple of years, as the new corporate network, um, which legitimately it is. Mm. But really, before we got to it being the, the corporate network that, that, we, that we see today, five, seven years ago, um, depending on the industry you're in, where in the world you are, really, things that were business critical to us were probably on our device, um, whether that was a laptop or we used a stationary uh, device at the office. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was maybe something like Word or Excel or possibly something hosted on a server on site where you were or at a data center that your company owned. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of two areas that you or an IT admin or your IT team looked after was, hey, something went wrong on your laptop. How do we fix that? Mm -hmm. Or the local area network, something's wrong with that or something's wrong with the data center. That was kind of like, it was fenced off into to that area. That's, that's, that was the domain that the, the IT team lived and breathed. It doesn't even seem that long ago, but perhaps that's because I'm getting old. Keep going. 
it doesn't actually. Um, and I was actually, you know, when we were talking about like how long ago that was, and it, it is a broader period. And that's kind of why I was mentioning everyone is moving at their own paces. There might be some folks in some regions that, that still are relying on that sort of architecture. So everyone's moves at their own pace. But really, when it comes to how does an IT team maintain high performance for what people needed back then, really there was issues on a data center hosted resource application. And outside of things that were laptop related or PC related, how do you fix something that's data center hosted? Well, it's the issue broadly is either going to be on your local area network, the wide area network, yep. or the data center itself. And, you know, the first task for an IT admin would, would have been to isolate where that is, or maybe even before that, confirm, is there actually an issue or have I got a fussy user? It's so true. I mean, I, I think when I started my career, which I, I'm not even going to say how long ago that was now, but uh, it was in that era. And and I would say that at the time, you know, the applications I was running, it was exceptional to go out to the internet. It was when you needed to get a piece of information or you needed to use the web perhaps to find something. Uh, but your applications, like you say, it was all contained within a local area network or at most what we used to call a metropolitan area network. Uh, and occasionally uh, across a wide area network, but if it was, it was a private one. So it was over private circuits, very expensive, dedicated bandwidth, which of course enabled us to maintain great performance. But we had we had challenges, or we found a better way, basically, because that was an expensive option. So we so we started that migration in the direction of the internet, right? Yeah, um, I mean, and it kind of coincided and was partly driven by this thing that we refer to as the cloud. Uh, the cloud happened and everyone realized the economies of scale, the, 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 the value and the TCOs involved in leveraging this thing to host your resources in, migrate applications to. And so kind of brings us onto the conversation of where are we today or you know, mm, yep. the, the, the journey that we're on today. So most folks now and most organizations you know, yes, like as an example for, for myself, I still do, um, and maybe I'm a laggard in this sense, but <laughs> I still do use Microsoft Office Word or PowerPoint or whatever it might be on my machine. But right. anytime, it, anytime it comes to collaboration, you know what? I fire up the, the web version of it because it's so much easier to collaborate. And that's an option that's available to us now. And collaboration for, for at least, you know, our jobs or office-based jobs is pretty crucial. So as a part of that, you need that web version of whatever you're doing, and it's using the internet, to perform extremely well. There's nothing more frustrating to lose your train of thought because you're waiting for um, some, some application to catch up with you. Absolutely, yes. I mean, that's the, that's the big difference that we all had to get used to when, when, when back in the early days of moving to the cloud, which is that obviously when you're running everything locally, you've got your... Uh, local application like PowerPoint or whatever it is you're running, it's instantaneous. It's like very, very fast performance. And of course, as soon as you start adding distance between you and the thing, whatever that is, an app, a remotely running application that you're sharing with others, uh, you're going to introduce a potential for, for some challenges. So it's nice to have both. You say you're a laggard, but I mean, I think it's also still uh, benefits sometimes to being able to keep it local. You don't always uh, have ability to connect to a super high performance uh, internet connection even. So, but of course that's what we're mostly focused on talking about today. So let's just talk about a little bit around 
and what some of the issues might be that you'd encounter when you're running those uh, internet hosted or internet based uh, applications and processes and tasks. Yeah, I mean, similar to what we talked about for, for the data center hosted resources in, in yesteryear, really the, the issue is broadly going to be on your local area network, wide area network. If you're accessing an application in the data center, the data center, or if your applica uh, application resides in a server somewhere in a public hosted environment, so wherever that server is in the world. Now, the key difference here to note and to think about is while this issue and the issue that we talked about for, for data center resources in the past are roughly the same. The, in terms of the split between what yesterday IT teams probably were looking at in terms of issues or quantity of issues on a PC laptop versus um, issues with a data center or your local area network, it was skewed previously way to the, to the on-device, the device side. Now, because everything is actually predominantly off your device, your applications, your processes in the cloud or in a data center somewhere, or even maybe in a public data center, because most of that workload is now over there, these issues come up much, much more frequently. So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like a, it's a very small uh, a nuance, but there is much more of these things happening on the public internet, on the internet side versus on your device. Hence why there is just the volume of those things happening that an IT admin needs to deal with. Absolutely. And I, I think the point's very well made. We, we, it's interesting that we're still running, a lot of us are still running regular computers. Like I have a MacBook Pro. Uh, it's a pretty powerful machine. And so I can run uh, things locally. But of course, that's not ubiquitous. Uh, it's also quite expensive to to do for a very large employee workforce. So if you think about um, devices like Chromebooks, the whole point of those, uh, or thin clients uh, that we that we have we see still out there, you know, the whole point of those is to offload that processing power and try and get some efficiencies of of scale, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, also, our mobile devices, our iPhones, mm -hmm. our smart devices. In fact, even. Um, tablets. I've got, I was actually surprised to learn um, a handful of my colleagues actually, when we're on WebEx calls, they're, in the, they're not using their laptops, they're using their tablets. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I truly am a laggard. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the other thing we, 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 we ought to talk about is, yes, these applications have moved or there is an option to, to use them as a service um, relying on the internet. But the, the other change that's happened is when we initially started this transition, organizations in, in an attempt to, to maintain security were backhauling this traffic. So by that, what we mean mm -hmm. is the, if in order for, for me to get to, um, from, from the office to get to something like Google Drive, I would connect back to our data center mm -hmm. from the office and that data center will then go out to the internet. Um, and Normally, that's probably going to be a longer route than if I went directly to from the office directly over the internet to to that server where Google resides. So the other thing that's kind of been going on as these SaaS applications have proliferated and become more popular, the the providers themselves have actually recommended use direct internet access for better performance. And mm -hmm. we're moving, there is definitely that transition now to 
using direct internet access and it becoming a norm to basically maintain and maximize that performance for the user. Right. And that's uh, that, that certainly has been a trend we've seen. And I think, of course, the other one we can't ignore because it uh, it's it comes up all the time. And we've just done two podcast episodes on it is this uh, thing we call hybrid work. Uh, of course, uh, you know, as we in certain parts of the world, at least start to emerge from the from the pandemic, we, we're now it, it's just a new reality. We are in this hybrid setup. So even people who previously were in the office every single day, and I'd even include myself in that. Uh, you know, we're, we're now flexible. We now have that ability to to work from anywhere. And so, of course, you know, if we're going to do that and maintain uh, the same level of support for those uh, business critical activities we're doing every day, we need to be able to to really do a good job of, uh, you know, maximizing that performance to keep it, uh, keep it as efficient as we can. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, I'm sure we've covered it before, but it it's worth kind of looking at it in terms of numbers. So whereas while we were in the office, and yes, we might have been using direct internet access at that point, but as an IT team, if your wide area network or your ISP, we might have had um, two ISPs, but there was just those two points of failure. So if, if, if you identified that you were having issues on the wide area network, okay, there are two uplinks to check. Now, when everyone went remote, depending on how many, how many employees you have, you probably had went from looking and monitoring two uplinks to if you've got 100 employees to monitoring 100 plus uplinks right, um, right. and they're not in your jurisdiction. Um, so that's the additional complexity. That's how reliant we are in that if any employee, while they're remote or anywhere other than the office is having an issue, how do we know what that issue is? Is it on the device? Is it to do with their consumer grade network? Is it due to do with their consumer grade wireless? Um, or is it actually a server problem in their region? Very interesting. And, and uh, I think that really leads us on to, uh, so what are we, what have we done about it? What's the history? Uh, certainly from a Meraki perspective, I mean, I think this is something we recognized pretty early on as a business that's, you know, born in the cloud. We've only, it's, it's how we've operated since day one. And of course, that's how everything we do is managed anyway. So we totally recognize and understand this world. But when it comes to that performance for those, whether it's remote workers or just dispersed businesses with different sort of uh, office locations, uh, what's the history? So just take us through how we've addressed this this challenge. Yeah, in this timeline that we've been talking about, Meraki actually started um, introducing functionality to help IT admins reduce the time they're spending on troubleshooting. So we introduced um, a brand new um, portfolio of um, product back in early 2018 called Meraki Insight. Today we refer to it as SDN Analytics, but back then, Meraki Insight. And really what Meraki Insight, the first functionality that we introduced with Meraki Insight was a feature called Web App Health. Um, so it kind of like lines up pretty nicely with what we've been talking about in terms of, yes, those applications and those web applications are super important. So what Web App Health allowed IT admins to do was a couple of very easy things. First of all, and this, this I actually discovered this as somewhat of a uh, after the fact um, thing when, when in conversation with customers and IT admins. And we were talking about what they loved about Web App Health we designed it to be able to isolate, okay, is your issue on the local area network side, on the wide area network side, or on the server side? Um, but actually, what, one of the early earliest things that IT admins notice about it is 
they've got visibility into each client and how they're experiencing a certain application. So let's say, for example, Office 365 is super critical to your organization and you really want to track how that's performing for users. So you can go ahead and set that up to, to track how Office 365 is performing. And what that will actually do and what that did for IT admins was, first of all, just isolate from um, the, the, the really finickety and fussy users, whether they were actually having an issue um, or whether um, they were just being fussy. So right. they were immediately able to tell, okay, are you just impatient? Or yes, genuinely, I can see here, um, you've, you'll be, you've been regularly getting a server response time or an application response time of greater than 10 seconds, which is annoying um, and an issue. And, and, and I I guess there's also the there's other variables in there too, right? And I, I I think what I'm thinking of here is that occasionally my laptop, the fan starts going and you're clearly getting all hot and bothered and it's working really hard on something. Something's making the CPU work hard. It's a local challenge and it's got nothing whatsoever to do with network performance, but my experience is still diminished. So I might inadvertently blame the network and anybody who's listening who is a network engineer will absolutely certainly have heard the term the network slow at some point in their careers i guarantee it yep exactly so really what, what we tried to do with web app health is just really set up this super simple framework of what does an application a web application in particular what kind of path does it need to traverse and kind of categorize where things can go wrong at a super high level things could go wrong on a local area network things could go wrong while in transit over the wide area network through an isp's network or where this the, the, the server or where the application is on a server on the other side of the world that might be going wrong so really at a high level immediately at a glance what that provided it admins yes there's there is an issue and here is exactly where we feel the issue is from the data we've just collected. So right off the bat, that was like, whoa, okay. I know that yeah. there's definitely an issue now and I know where it is. Yeah, that's nice. So you've, you've really already got a little bit more granular insight. You can pinpoint what is affecting this user's experience and start to and start to talk about that. So, so we started then with that sort of health capability and then, and then we introduced, um, you know, how did we how we how did we develop the product essentially to to bring in new uh, features for it? Yeah, so soon after that, we turned our attention to the wide area network and just doing a bit of a double click into that. So we introduced functionality we call WAN Health, and what WAN Health does is provide you as an IT admin visibility of how any wide area network plugged into an MX is performing. So as an example, if you have 100 MX appliances deployed, um, and let, let's say they, they are um, MX appliances that can support two uplinks, that's 200 uplinks that you're able to see now how they're performing at a glance. Not only right. that, and this, we, we actually launched this way, way before um, the pandemic hit, we actually introduced this capability onto the Z3 as well, the Z3 teleworking device. So mm -hmm. yes. really during the pandemic, this, this was super critical during the pandemic um, and continues to be so. So any home worker that has a Z3 
the IT team is able to see how their consumer grade wide area networks performing. So that product, Meraki Insight, is able to be run onto a Z3. So yes, you get web app health, but you also have visibility into hundreds of your remote workers. And when they're complaining, hey, my stuff isn't working properly, or even you can proactively go and say, hey, we've noticed that you've got issues on your wide area network with provider ABC, whatever it might be, you mm -hmm. can kind of proactively advise, hey, you might want to consider some other provider in order to, or another um, additional provider. Yeah. Or, or just or switch sometimes because our cellular is so fast now, sometimes switch to cellular if you're getting a, a temporary blip, right? Yeah, exactly. So really WAN Health was super important for, for, for admins because it gave this one, literally one page view on the dashboard. Here are all of your networks, wide area networks, how they're performing and a summary of here are any that have been down, here that are performing poorly, as well as here are some networks and they're actually impacting the performance of applications you've told us are business critical to you um, mm -hmm. and here are the applications they're impacting. Yeah, that's so important. And uh, it's funny you talk about the, um, you know, as the pandemic came in, I think it was uh, it was true that for the first couple of months or so after the pandemic, we all got sent home. I think the, the Z3 was like Meraki's best-selling product for a while. And it was, uh, they became very precious commodities because suddenly all these organizations who hadn't dealt with this before, maybe only on a limited uh, capacity, suddenly had a whole load of their workforce or even their entire workforce working from home and making use of devices like this to try to maintain that sort of business critical capability, that always-on capability. So very, it's a very interesting story and fantastic that we managed to get the tool onto that that sort of quite small device. I mean, it's uh, if you haven't seen one, it's uh, it's kind of diminutive, kind of the size, well, not even the size of a of a kind of domestic uh, internet router. So it's a pretty small device. Yeah, I, I'd encourage everyone to, if you've never seen one, to just Google or find an image of it because it is not a very nice, compact, cute little thing, um, and it's a very cool color. I actually often call it Batman's teleworking device. I was trying to resist saying cute, but it is. It actually is. Let's just call it like it is. We're, we're, it's okay to be a nerd. That's all right. Okay. So how did we how did we evolve this tool, uh, this sort of marquee insight and and uh, and WAN Health? How did we evolve it from there? Yeah. So the evolution was basically um, one of the things we quickly realized is this is a very new space. This is if you've if you've grown up um, and kind of come through the ranks of network admin, being a network admin. This is a new space. Like, how do you know, how do you measure intuitively um, what's good performance for Office 365 versus um, Salesforce versus Market, right. whatever it might be? Like, how do you measure this thing? Um, yep. While we've got things that we're tracking um, and allowing IT admins to set thresholds for, but what is a good threshold for a web application? It's not like, yes. you know, is it 10 milliseconds? Is it 20, is it 30? Like, what is it? So what we did is we utilized all the data we have and we applied a machine learning algorithm to it. So ultimately we took that burden of applying a threshold to a web application off of the IT admin's shoulder. Nice. And said, hey, here's a button, it's called smart thresholds check this button and what we'll do is we'll look back at your past networks behavior specifically to that location 
um, and take a look at how YouTube, how basically all the applications you've told us are super important to you, have been performing in the past at various different times of the day. And then we'll apply a threshold that's dynamic. So if, as an example, midday, YouTube traffic probably goes up a lot because people on their lunch breaks, um, people watch YouTube videos, um, and that can impact the, the response time from a, from a YouTube server. Mm -hmm. So what we would do is instead of the increase in um, response time on that server during that period in time, we'd say, hey, look, that's expected. So we're not going to give you a false positive that, hey, you've got an issue. Um, that's expected behavior for this time of day that we've seen. So in this way, we're only alerting IT admins of true anomalous behavior. So really kind of right. um, we, we talk about this colloquially as we're really noise canceling thresholds or alerts. So we're cutting yeah. out all the false positives of, oh, it and wrongly set thresholds or um, just things that are actually normal um, because of the time of day um, and certain other conditions and only identifying a true degradation. Right. I like that. that I mean, smart is the right word because if we, if we look at the opposite of smart, it's a dumb threshold. If you imagine there's a dumb threshold, I mean, it's it's going to get triggered by the simplest thing, right? Just some some local issue or or even some remote issue that's just that's very, uh, very brief and and maybe just like you say a false positive. So this this is clearly a a step in the right direction. So we're getting smarter, is what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. I mean, all of this is data. At the end of the day, we're doing different things with it and. How do you make data better? We have, we're in this age of AI and ML. Why not use it? And the Meraki platform has the most AI and ML, uh, the most data of any platform in the market. So, you, you know, right. you and I have talked about this in the past. Your AI and ML algorithm or the output from that algorithm is only as good as the, the data that you provide it or the, the quantity of data. Mm -hmm. So typically, my, my rudimentary understanding of ML uh, algorithms is they're learning over time. And so in order to accelerate that, the more data you provide it, the more accurate you're becoming. Right. And so that's the general concept that we've got here. So we have huge amounts of data and we're able to feed these algorithms. So we start with thresholds and then that enables us to get smarter around troubleshooting, presumably. Yeah, exactly. So we introduced then smart root cause analysis. So with everything that we've now got, We've got web app help, we've got WAN health, we've got smart thresholds. So what we're now able to do is take all of that and any time that the SD-WAN analytics identifies, yep, there's an issue, um, there's something that was important to you, there's an issue, it does an analysis of your entire, everything we know about it. Like here are the clients affected, here is what we believe to be wrong. And not only that, it kind of, it actually says, this is what we believe to be wrong. This is the corrective action. And in addition to that, uh, Simon's laughing at me because we can see each other right now. And I'm kind of like pointing at him to, to emphasize something. But in addition to that, we're, 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 like we're, as a society, as admins, as tech people, we are leveraging machine learning a lot more now. But there mm -hmm. is still this kind of, we're at this kind of weird phase where 
Yeah, I kind of, I, yeah, I, I believe you, but I'm not sure I entirely trust you yet. So within all of this analysis that we've gone through to this uh, um, smart root cause analysis, at the end, we even provide a confidence rating. How confident are we that this is the actual issue? Mm. Because we, we go through all this and, and, you know, it's based on the data we have. So based on data we have, this is what we believe to be wrong and this is the corrective action. And here is the confidence rating of what we're telling you. Wow, this is such a leap from when I was a network engineer and I was walking around with a flute meter trying to measure the uh, the performance of broadcasts <laughs> on the network. What a change! I mean, now we've got the the machines are helping us, and uh, and we really are able to to get smarter and smarter as a result. I love what you're telling me. So, I mean, frankly, it sounds as though the problem's solved. I mean, is what else can we do? No, so we can do a lot more. So everything we've talked about. Really, what we're doing is at a super basic level, the, the framework for solving problems on the network. Actually, the framework for solving any problems, even in life, <laughs> are you, you identify what the issue is, you isolate um, the, 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 the issue wherever it might be, and then you put in place a remediative, is that a word? A remediative action, or you remediate What's wrong the with issue. it? <laughs> uh, you remediate Brilliant. the so issue. So our audience has come here, for obviously, to, to, to learn about Meraki Unbox. But we've got life advice here as well, folks. Make sure you tune in next time for more. Keep going, Imran. Um, but really, that's, that's the framework. And so in, in that framework that we've set up, so far what we've worked on is helping IT admins identify for sure, is there an issue or not? And we've done a lot of work on isolating where that issue is, as well as using machine learning to say, hey, here's where we believe the issue to be, and here's how confident we are. Now, in this remediate bucket or category, like, hey, just go, how should I fix it? We can get more, we can do more in terms of automation. And actually, we're, we're not limited by necessarily technology, where we're actually limited by where we are as humans in our, in our acceptance of um, machine learning and AI. Um, if, you think, yeah. if you think about uh, Tesla, Tesla's a good example. And I always love giving, giving that as an example. So the self-driving mode. Um, in most countries around the world, um, in the UK in particular, um, you have self-driving mode there, but it's illegal to use because just everyone's not sure how confident they should be in it. Right. Um, but but it, it's there as a technology. And in fact, it can do a lot more but it just hasn't been pushed out probably just, just yet because for, for regulation, it can't be used. So here we can do a lot more. And that's kind of why we've taken this step to provide this confidence rating because while it, it's, it's not gonna be any skin off our back in terms of it's not a huge technical um, barrier to overcome to whenever we see that, okay, this is the actual thing that we recommend as remediation, it, it wouldn't be too much more for us to go ahead and execute that action but we're not I, I don't think most admins at least the ones i've spoken to are ready for something to automatically implement an action especially if you're running kind of a uh, a multi-region estate mm -hmm. supporting hundreds if not thousands of clients I'm, I'm chewing over in my mind this analogy to the uh, to the car to the automated car and thinking about how we're essentially trying to use the technology to help us traverse our journey through the working day how does that work sure let's go with that <laughs> let's go with that okay so all right the internet this is this is uh we we, we touched on this earlier on we're now yes. all using this it, it, you know we used to think of this as something we used for for 
you know, entertainment and, uh, you know, doing email and things like that. But of course, now it's ubiquitous. It's absolutely everywhere. So this is a pretty tough nut to crack. How on earth do we uh, do we go about addressing that? Yeah. So when we talked earlier on about WAN Health, WAN Health was, was basically trying, trying to do a little bit of that. And, you know, really, one thing that we didn't entirely cover in what we've done to date is at a, at a more detailed level, what we're doing is we're analyzing actual traffic that clients are passing to Office 365, to bbc.com, to whatever you're tracking. So we're actually analyzing the, the real traffic they're using in real time and then providing guidance as, as to here's what we believe to be wrong. Um, so when we did that, for, when we do that over the wide area network, that's fine. We're actually passing traffic, but we know that the wide area network isn't this nice, one consistent line from your office or a remote worker's home all the way to the application yeah. server. I mean, it'd be yeah. great if it was because that would simplify it. But we know that in reality, it's this complex maze of connections under the seabed, through mountains, um, all over the place, dependent by ISP as well, um, that that packets need to traverse and maybe not all packets aren't even taking the same path to get to that server. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple different steps in just this internet maze. So what WAN Health did was kind of try to identify using real traffic. Okay, there's an issue here. But what we did as Cisco in 2020 is we acquired a company called Thousand Eyes. Now what Thousand Eyes does is at a really very rudimentary level, it provides resolution into the internet. It provides that visibility beyond just it, beyond looking at it just as one lump. It mm -hmm. provides you the, the kind of hop by hop detailed analysis and visibility into how your packets are traversing the internet to provide you then information like, okay, yes, there is an ISP problem or yes, there is a WAM problem. And here is exactly where it is. It's on this point of presence or it's on this hop. So that now is, and again, that's independent. Like, I mean, it has to be independent of what we did with Meraki Insight because we came up with Meraki Insight and One Health before we even acquired Thousand Eyes. So what we're now doing is really taking and integrating with Thousand Eyes to complement what we've done already. So when I said that we're using the, the, predominant, the, the, the mode of how we've got our analytics today is passing real traffic. And while that's great, in order to complement that, a lot of the stuff that we're doing with Thousand Eyes and integrating is using traffic that isn't, isn't being passed by a user. So we're able to benchmark without even a user passing that traffic to Office 365 um, to over a particular ISP we're still, we still would know how it's performing. So as an example, right. um, it's kind of like the, 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 the philosophical, this has gone very philosophical. It's kind of like the philosophical Here we go. question. Here we go, folks. <laughs> it's kind of like that philosophical question of if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did it make a sound? Right. So, so there's it, it, kind of like here, if, if a client isn't, at a particular office location or at the home location with the Z3, and they're not passing traffic to Office 365, does that mean there's no, no problem to Office 365? 
Well, that's not true. And this answers that question, basically. So if there's not a client there passing traffic to Office 365, we still would be able to now know, okay, there is an issue or there is an issue with the ISP. Right. So we can get that one step ahead. I, I like how we're bringing so many different analogies into this. It, it, it certainly <laughs> brings it to life. I never thought, you never know what you're going to get when you hit the record button on one of the podcasts. Um, Teslas and trees we've we've covered so far. And um, so Thousand Eyes, I mean, it's uh, the concept is brilliant. And I love the name because the, the name just says it all, doesn't it? I mean, it's eyes everywhere by the sounds of it. Uh, so, so how is Meraki integrating this? Yeah, so we're taking a bit of a phased approach. So earlier on this year, February, I think it was, we integrated phase one. And so what phase one we're doing is exactly what I was talking about, where today we have visibility into how an ISP is performing based on the traffic that will pass uh, through, um, through through a particular client. Now what we've got is we introduced um, something from Thousand Eyes called Internet Insights into the Meraki dashboard. And so anyone who's running a, an MX with an SD-WAN Plus license, log onto the dashboard, you will see this there. What that does is essentially benchmarks how ISPs are performing all over the world, wow. regardless of whether you have any infrastructure office location deployed there, this is going to tell you how ISPs are performing either in the region you're in or anywhere in the world. And so this is super valuable for a couple of different reasons. So let's say, for example, you do have um, information using um, your existing MX deployment to say, hey, look, there's a... ISP issue um, on your San Francisco branch um, for Office 365. Okay, mm -hmm. you can then actually take that and in real time see, is my ISP having an issue independent of the traffic I'm passing it in the San Francisco area? That'll show mm -hmm. up on Internet Insights from Thousand Eyes. So it helps you kind of validate what you've got from actual traffic being passed as well as something completely independent of that. The other thing here you're able to see is maybe you're considering opening up a new office, or in fact, maybe you've noticed over the past handful of months, your ISP's been glitchy, has been the root cause of a lot of your problems. You can mm -hmm. benchmark that against other ISP in ISPs in your area. Do they share some sort of common infrastructure? Does this problem exist with them as well? Or is it actually, like you said, worthwhile switching over to somebody else because they've not been having those issues? Nice. What I like about that is it's 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 like the fundamentals of troubleshooting. You start with, you know, the basics and and being able to rule out things like the ISP. I mean, the fundamental, as we've said, if you're using the internet in any form, you are using internet service providers and uh, they're the local ones to you. And they're also, frankly, the ones that are at the other end of the of the whole equation as well as you reach your destination. So to be able to see that in advance sounds like a, a nice step forward in terms of doing your due diligence as a, as a support person trying to help help a user or, or troubleshoot a, a challenge that you're experiencing. So that's where we're starting this journey, right, with that visibility. Presumably, this isn't the end of the journey. So what comes next? Yeah, absolutely. So what we were talking earlier on about providing that additional resolution into the internet and kind of what's happening hop by hop, that's really what we're trying to drive towards. So here we're benchmarking how, in the first phase, how um, ISP is performing. Soon will be, and I can't commit to exactly when, but keep, keep, your, keep your ears to the ground. No roadmap here, folks. Soon, <laughs> soon. Uh, we're really driving towards providing that additional granularity for 
IT admins into where if they if if it is an issue with the internet specifically isolating where on the internet that issue resides. Mm-hmm. So it, it, another analogy for you. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> you you, you want to consider this as, or in my head, how I consider this is the journey from where we started is we had this kind of image and this image was a little pixelated. Um, this mm-hmm. image was um, 720p. Um, and really, really what we're working towards and the functionality that we're adding is adding definition and resolution to this image to provide us detail of, okay, it's this area, those areas that the, the issues specifically lie. So as we work our way through the functionality that we're adding, we're really working towards 4K. I was wondering which one you were going to pick, 1080p <laughs> or 4K. We're going all the way to 4K. First. Oh, yeah, 4K. In fact, 1080p was never a, never a thing. I was actually thinking, do I go beyond 4K? Let's just stay at 4K for now. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it realistic. Okay, so what you're saying is we, we already have this increased visibility. That's what Thousand Eyes is bringing to us. And we're just simply going to improve the quality of the information and the number of data points we're able to pick up to, to help with that troubleshooting process using the tool. Yeah, as well as kind of complementing the, the, the existing functionality and analytics we have. As an example, so we, we introduced um, the Internet Insights, which provides that benchmark of how other ISPs are performing. So mm-hmm. in a similar way, we'll target to do this for applications. How are applications performing, regardless of whether you're using them or not, how are they performing? in your particular areas. So, you know, we as humans kind of like to benchmark ourselves, like what's the weather like in your area? What's the weather like in my area? We like to compare notes. And Mm -hmm. this is, this is kind of back into that kind of psyche of things Um, as well as, you know, it helps your decision-making. Like if office 365 is performing poorly for me and not for other folks in some other region, why is that? Right. I like that, and and you know, you're, what you're doing is you're you're painting a picture for me of of how we can get better and better at doing this. So, I know we said no roadmap, and that is always the case, uh, but let's just try to have a crystal ball and see, you know, where does this go longer term in your mind? Yeah, longer term is it's really around this um, bringing it back to kind of where we started this little segment is, you know, we can do more. We can do more, especially in that remediate bucket to automate that remediation. And as Meraki in particular, we have an incredible opportunity here. Um, you know, we've already talked about it, and Meraki is by far the, the world's largest cloud native management platform. Mm-hmm. By virtue of that, we have unprecedented amount of data and we're already starting to use this. So what our colleagues on the wireless and the access side are doing for uh, Meraki Health and troubleshooting wireless, wireless issues, there's a huge host of analytics and data that's feeding into that and similarly here we have an opportunity to use this massive data lake to be an, in in conjunction with what thousand eyes provides be very specific around and provide a lot of detail around okay this is where the issue is and once you know we we catch up as from a philosophical or a psychological point of view to find it acceptable to just automate um, remediation Mm. that's going to be there. And so, you know, 
as an industry, as a tech industry, a couple of years ago, we talked a lot around this self-driving network concept. Um, and the pandemic kind of made priorities elsewhere, like, hey, how do we stay afloat? Right. But now we're kind of, kind of like re coming, coming back to it now, like, you know, it is within the realm of our technology and what we do to actually deliver on this and execute this. And that's certainly a trajectory that we're on and a very realistic one. Um, and, you know, again, this is just kind of my, my thinking. This is not, we're not disclosing any roadmap. This is just my thinking. This is limiting only, similar to Tesla, only limited by our acceptance to take on board the recommendations and have them automatically implemented. Right, the self-driving side of things. Okay, yes. there's the yes. analogy right there. And I should also say, folks, that there are alternative uh, self-driving options on the market. Besides <laughs> uh, anyway, so, all right, thank you. That, that's actually really interesting and, and actually a very exciting future. And you're so right. I mean, we do have the technology. It is, it is in the realm of our capability to pursue this concept of a self-driving network, but it's a journey. So we are, you know, we've got to build confidence in it. And I think what we're doing right now, what I see what, from what you've described is finding a really nice balance where we're informing the human that's smart enough to be able to interpret that information and be able to actually make decisions uh, to, to improve the experience and, and the connection to those business critical applications and supporting those business critical tasks. Yeah, we're, we're providing all the information to, and in, in fact, even guiding here, here's where we believe the, um, the, the problem to be. And you know, all kind of analogies and show jokes aside, this is a real, real problem. Um, yeah. You know, there's been multiple studies done um, to, to show that as much as 80% of, uh, of an IT admin's time is spent on troubleshooting. So it's a real, you know, if we can really dramatically reduce that, that's, that's money back, back on the bottom line um, mm -hmm. straight away. So this is a real issue that, that we're doing. And, you know, what we're also talking about here, and you know, this is in the realm of SD-WAN, of course. So we're really kind of moving beyond kind of traditional SD-WAN, and and this is the next generation of where we believe SD-WAN to be going. Which is remind us, which is automated, and you know, right? I see. Okay. Where SD-WAN started is, you know, you basically. For most organizations, it's kind of a cost-cutting exercise. Are you mm -hmm. using um, really very expensive private uplinks when actually you don't need to be anymore? Um, or, and as we progress on now and this, this adoption of SaaS increases, really the, the, the use case is pivoting and kind of flowing onto the side of, okay, now that we've kind of done this cost um, consolidation exercise and got some benefits from that, Really, what, what we're being asked to do for, for SD-WAN is improve experience for users for what they deem to be business critical, what's business critical for them, wherever they might be. So, mm -hmm. you know, this, this kind of flows into that. How all, all, all this troubleshooting, all troubleshooting is doing is, again, improving that experience. And how can we do that quicker, better? Right. I mean, I think it's it's easy to play this down, but it's hard to actually think of a more fundamental topic in the world of connectivity and communications than what we've talked about today. It's it's hugely important to be able to rely on the backbone that connects us to our work, 
and you know I, I think the the direction looks very exciting uh, as as we've said uh, so thousand eyes is the kind of new thing that we introduced in this episode today uh, building on this legacy of of being able to you know really monitor and use technology to make suggestions and 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 really help to improve that experience online so uh, where where can listeners go and learn a little bit more maybe see this thousand eyes thing uh, in action if they don't already have access to it uh, I mean, I, I know most of our uh, users or customers love to experience this thing. So if you have an MX device or if you want to take out one on trial, you can then experience it, see Thousand Eyes, um, the, the first phase of the integration for yourself. Um, there's much, much more information on the website, meraki.cisco.com forward slash SD-WAN, as well as the, the knowledge base, kb.meraki.com. So mm. huge wealth of information, as well as webinars if you are newer to the concept of what Meraki has done with analytics to date, there is on that SD-WAN page webinar where we go very much deeper into the capabilities as well as demonstrations of how web app health, WAN health, and all that good stuff, smart thresholds works. Absolutely love it. I, I can tell that this is a journey conversation, so I have a feeling that we'll be back uh, probably with more analogies uh, in the not too distant future to talk about where this goes from here. So Imran, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Yeah, no worries. It's been fun. Um, until next time, I'll, uh, I'll try to think of some new analogies. The challenge has been set. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for, for listening to our episode today. Uh, I do think that we've covered a pretty important topic. I mean, it's, it's uh, we've, we've had a bit of a laugh along the way, but, but uh, let's think about the impact of what we're saying. I mean, this is really enabling maximum efficiency for, for workers and for businesses, organizations around the world, regardless of their location, as they rely on the internet uh, to connect everything. And so with that very, very fundamental topic, uh, it's time to wrap things up. Uh, do be uh, please back in two weeks for our next episode. If you're not already a subscriber of Meraki Unboxed, you know what to do. Go to your favorite podcast application, search for Meraki Unboxed, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we do put a lot of work into producing these and uh, we really want to make sure they're hitting home as well. So the feedback piece is super important to me. I would love to hear from you. So please do reach out. Use Twitter is uh, is the best way, and my handle there again is at Meraki Simon, one word. Ping me a message. Let me know what you think of the podcast. And as I said, we'll be back in two weeks, so stay well, and uh, we'll see you there. Bye for now.